0: Hey, welcome to Redeemer City Church Online. My name is Carl Messenger. I serve here as one of the pastors and elders. And I tell you, if you know anything about me, you know that I love C.S. Lewis. Like, I'm a C.S. Lewis fan, C.S. Lewis junk, junkie. I, I, I tell you, the way that he was able to write such deep, uh, intelligent, and, and thought-provoking, yet simple and relevant and applicable truths... Um, eternal truths, really timeless truths, it just blows my mind. And so whether you're talking about mere Christianity and screw tape letters, so many books that he's written, I tell you, you, well, hey, you're all watching this online. And so right now you need to like open another browser or another uh, window on your screen and you need to like Google uh, C.S. Lewis books slash buy or go to Amazon or go to your online uh, bookstore of choice. Just Google Clive Staples Lewis buy now. You're welcome. You can thank me later. It's all good. It's all golden. And so check that out. Now, the, the clip we just kind of heard from is taken from one of the books of his seven-book series known as the Chronicles of Narnia. Perhaps you've heard of it. Maybe you read it when you were younger. Or if you're like me, your, your kid's reading it right now. Like, I have a ten-year-old, Avalia, who is reading. You're not, this, is, this is unbelievable. She's reading seven-book series right now i'm like lord there is a god thank you and i'm like wow thank you c.s lewis for writing the chronicles of narnia and so it's just really really incredible so she's currently reading them well the movie came out a number of years ago uh detailing one of the books the lion witch in the wardrobe and in that in that story based on these kids um kind of fun fact It takes place during world war ii but the true part of the story is that some kids this happened all over england um, were moved from like London or some of the more dangerous areas where the bombings were happening, up more up the in the countryside. And so C.S. Lewis was was alive at the time. He actually housed uh, a number of of kids um, during the war. Their their fathers were fighting and the moms were working. And it just wasn't safe. And so that's kind of a fun fact. And they weave that into the into the movie pretty well. And so these kids are at C.S. Lewis's house, and they find this mysterious, magical there there i say portal into this is it real is it fiction we'll know one day narnia and they're into narnia and, and at this this point in the story the Lion, Witch, in the wardrobe the evil white witch has cast a perpetual frozen winter on the land of narnia which i'm like um hello hey hey disney are you are you watching this well, you're not but if someone is would you get your own material like this has been done like at least for frozen 3 Can you just kind of get your own material and and quit, you know, C.S. Lewis already got you covered. It's better anyway. But anyway, there's this frozen, that Narnia is frozen perpetually. And one of the characters, Sweet Little Lucy, she has a line in the movie where where she says, and and we just heard the the Reliant K song, which, by the way, if, if you're in your 30s, did that take you back? I mean, that was like my college years. But Lucy says, it's always winter. But never Christmas. And you're like, oh man, like dagger, right? It's like, we love Christmas, we don't love winter. And so I figured for us, in this season that we're in, especially for us in the South, I guess if you're in the North, you can just keep the original phrase that Lucy delivered. But for us, it feels like we're in this perpetual summer, but it's never vacation, right? I mean, we're home. Our, our kids are home. Uh, and then here in Florida, if you're somewhere in the South, it's hot already, or again, or always. <laughs> and and except we're not on vacation, we're not planning on vacation, we're not going anywhere. Our pets' heads are falling off. There's no vacation. And so we figured, if we're going to have, or if we're thrust into this prolonged summer, we figured what better way than to spend it with Jesus and the greatest sermon ever told, which is the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew chapter 5. You go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. So for us, we've got a little twist on it, a twist on the Sermon on the Mount, calling it Summer on the Mount, starting now for the rest of summer. But go ahead and turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Um, pretty good chunk through the entire Bible, Matthew chapter 5. I'll give you some context uh, while, you're, while you're turning there. So basically, uh, this is called the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus is starting to teach and there's so many people coming. The crowd is getting so large that he had to actually go up on a hillside. So don't, don't let mount think mountain. This is not a mountain. It's a small hill overlooking the Sea of Galilee. If you've been to Israel, you've seen this. Pretty cool. And so that's where Jesus is and he's teaching. And Now, Matthew, Matthew was there, and he records everything that Jesus said, 107 verses, 2,416 words of the Sermon on the Mount, words that are still relevant today. Jesus answers the age-old question that every person has always wondered, which is, how can someone have peace with God? Now, today's verses that we're going to read, we're going to read the first 12 verses here. They're known as the Beatitudes. You ever, you ever wonder why? Like, let me tell you what I used to think it meant, um, which it's a pretty, I got a pretty good explanation for you. And if you like it, you can use it if it helps you. But just know it's wrong. Okay. But so I remember when I first came across Beatitudes, it was probably 15, 20 years ago when I, when I first uh, had a relationship with God. And I, I, I saw this and I'm like, well, these are some really good things here. Um, these are some really good attitudes that we should be. Oh, of course, why they're called the Beatitudes. Be these attitudes. It's, you know, a little funky English, but, you know, we can work it, right? No, that's not what it means. Um, Beatitudes are called that because while it was written in Greek, it was translated soon after into Latin. And so the Latin word for blessing is Beatitudo. And so this section became known as the Beatitudes, the blessings, because that word Beatitudo appears nine times in these first twelve verses in Matthew chapter 5. So, beatitudo, blessing. Now, this passage is really kind of like Jesus' official welcome, official ministry declaration here, which outlines the rest of his ministry to come. Jesus is going to drop bomb after bomb in the Sermon on the Mount. You're going to want to be with us every single Sunday as we go through this. And, And then he is going to then, he and others, refer back to these, these bombs, these truth bombs, throughout the next three years of his public ministry, and then even beyond that. In fact, we're going to land here in a little bit with something the Apostle Paul wrote that ties in directly to this. And so here's his opening word. It's simply this. God is here, and he, I, want you, all people, to be Blessed. I want you to flourish. Peace be to you between you and others and you and God. Like universal human flourishing shalom. Like this is why I have come, that you would be blessed. The very first thing God announces is flourish. People, I want you to flourish. You were created to flourish. And so so do it. I'm here to, I'm here to set you free. What a good God we serve. He's a God who knows and wants what's best for you. You can trust him. He wants you to flourish. He wants you to be blessed. And so this morning, I'm simply giving an introduction to the whole sermon, summer, on the mount. And then I'll walk us through um, parts of the Beatitudes and apply them uh, to our lives here today. And so what we're going to look at is as we live in God's blessings, that we want to focus more on him. And as we do that, we will bear more fruit. But remember, there will be foes who don't Like it. Hey, let's begin reading in uh, Matthew chapter 5. We can start in verse 3. Basic verse 1 and 2 is all the crowds. Jesus climbed a hill and he began teaching. And he said this in verse 3. He said, Blessed, Beatitudo. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. You know, we can pause there. In, in all spiritual matters, faith is the starting point. Faith, belief, trust, you choose your word there. That's the starting point. That's actually the ground zero of this. And so this is the same format that Jesus laid out here. Is That these first four spiritual blessings, they're foundational For for any person receiving the gospel. To recognize that he is God and I am not. I'm not in control. I am uh, frankly powerless to accomplish even things that I want to do. Or even if I recognize I need to do them. Like I need to be better. I need to sin less. I need to be saved. I need to have a relationship with God. I can't do it on my own. Only God can do that. Yet God has come and he desires to bless us with that. And so he says in here that, that as we recognize we're not God, like we recognize we're poor in spirit. Like Carl's spirit is not rich. I am depraved. I am lost without God. He says that, um, that we are to be mournful. Like we mourn. We don't act like everything's perfect all the time. Like, blessed are those who mourn. And, and then we're meek, right? doesn't mean we're wimps, but it means that we trust and that we love and we bless others. And so here's his little formula here. If you have those, you're poor in spirit and you, you mourn, like you're in touch with reality and you're meek. You're not trying to bulldoze everyone, but you're trying to love and bless people. If you have those, then you'll want more. Like you'll hunger and thirst for righteousness. You'll hunger and thirst for more of God. You'll, you'll want to be more like him. You'll want to honor him more. You'll want your life to parallel the life that is a godly life. And so you hear us talk about all the time here, the vision is Jesus, right? So we look to him in adoration. That's what we do. And it starts with this. You desire to know God better, you've got to look to him. Set your focus on God's kingdom, and you will experience spiritual shalom and peace. And that's our first uh blank here to fill in on on our list here if you want to live in god's blessings and i'm talking live in it not just claim it click your heels together perfect life give me all the money show me the money god that's not what we're talking about we're talking about living in it and if you stick with me the rest of the sermon you'll see it's not all sunshine and lollipops um so don't go anywhere unless you're buying a c.s lewis book but number one is that we will focus more guys we live in god's blessing as we live for as we want to know god more we'll focus on him not ourselves, not anyone else. We focus more on God. That's number one. Let's continue reading here in Matthew 5, verse 7. Um, Jesus says this. He said, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. You know, as we continue to take our focus off of self, right? Because number one is are we, we have more focus on Him. So begin to do that. Our life will change. Yeah, it will change for me. It will change for ourselves. But then it will change for others. Because we will now see our blessing as a call to be a blessing to others. And so as we do that, number two here, there will be fruit. If we're truly focusing on God and we are living in His blessing, following Him, seeking and hungering and thirsting for His righteousness... He'll do something in our lives and with our lives and through us. God will produce fruit. We can't produce fruit on our own. I can do some good things, but I can't make anything grow. But God makes it grow. We no longer look at some of the examples here, right? We no longer look to get even, which is hard. My first reaction is hit him back. That's not the ways of God. We extend grace and mercy, right? Blessed are the merciful, they be shown mercy. Listen, I need to be shown mercy here and, of course, when I stand before God one day. And so I have to extend that same measure of mercy. We no longer look to our own interests, but, but, but our hearts become more and more pure, right? We no longer make war, but we make peace. Even though for many of us, war comes naturally and peace is hard, and peace is a two-way street. Fine, far be it from me, but I'm going to live right. This is the call. This is living in His blessing. With help from the Holy Spirit, we, we can begin to change our desire for control, our desire to win, our desire to always be right. And we can come and live in a life of peace, in a life that makes peace. The Apostle Paul, years after this, goes on to really expound on, on some of the points directly made here. He teaches the same concept in Philippians chapter 2. You can turn there if you like. Um, if, uh, if not, it will be on the screen here. But I just want to read a few verses here, Philippians 2, uh, verses 1 through 5. Really, this whole chapter, the whole letter, the whole Bible. Just read the whole Bible, read all C.S. Lewis books. But, but chapter 2 is great. I'm just going to read the first five verses, but it really picks up after that with a more detailed... Um, just really truth and theology of of who Jesus is and what he did. But I'm going to read the parts leading up to that where, where Paul really says a lot of the same things that we just read. He says this, speaking to us, Christian unity. He says, Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort provided by love, any fellowship in the Spirit, any affection or mercy, complete my joy and be of the same mind by having the same love, being united in Spirit and having one purpose, Instead of being motivated by selfish ambition or vanity, each of you should, in humility, be moved to treat one another as more important than yourself. Each of you should be concerned, not only about your own interests, but about the, about the interests of others as well. You should have the same attitude toward one another that Christ Jesus had Paul says even a whole lot more in Romans 12. Not going to read the whole thing, just going to throw the one verse that I want to highlight in particular Romans 12:18 where he says, "If possible, so far as it depends on you, because again, it's a two-way street. So, you can't always be at peace because not everybody wants peace. But as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all people." God's people ought to live this way. We should seek peace before war always. That's the call here. We should be spreading as much shalom as we can. Where everywhere we went, followers of the way, or Christians we generally call ourselves today, that where a Christian went, there was peace, and there was love, and there was mercy. All of these things. Well, let's go back and finish our section on the Beatitudes back in in Matthew 5. Um, verses 10 through 12. Jesus uh, concludes this section saying this, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things about you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, because your reward is great in heaven. For they persecuted the prophets before you in the same way. The reality is this. Remember I said we were going to kind of get some of the nitty gritty on this. Not all sunshine and lollipops. The reality is this. If you set your life to live with singular focus on the Lord. and, And then through that he bears spiritual fruit in your life. You can guarantee that there will be foes who don't like it. There will be people who don't like the new you or the choices you're making, the choices you're not making. All of these things, there will be people and others who don't like it. You know, perhaps you've heard or maybe you've been told, maybe someone yelled this at you. You ever heard the phrase, hey, you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good, right? And I want to be like, thank you. Like, would you put that on my gravestone? Like, that is what I need and want my life to be about now not in the derogatory sense that i'm truly not doing anything here because we know there's a call in scripture for us to to be faithful and to be about uh his kingdom here on earth but i don't live for things on the earth that that are here today and gone tomorrow that have really no eternal value like we are to live with an eternal mindset our focus on him let him um produce fruit in our lives in spite of the foes who won't like it? Now, this may be a family member, maybe a friend, uh, could be a coworker, could be a stranger, some enemy, could be the government. You know, they're listening. They don't like what we're doing, right? It could be maybe it's a, a love interest, or hopefully a former love interest. Because as soon as they said, "Hey, you're like no earthly good because you like God too much," I hope you boom see a girl and and moved on. But this is this is the call here. Like you name it. People may not like you living for God. But despite the foes, Jesus himself declares that you will be blessed if you want the kingdom of heaven, if you seek it first. And you will be persecuted for seeking his righteousness. Hey, more on that in like July when we get to Matthew 6, verse 33. Um, So go ahead and keep with us until then. But here's the reality. If you're clinging to the joy of eternal life right this, this what's talked about here this reward the Shalom in heaven, awesome I hope every one of us are but know that you will be mocked, um, teased in, insulted, lied to lied about all sorts of falsities simply on account to your devotion to Christ now Jesus was qualified to state that because he knew it to be true. And not only did he know it to be true, kind of an interesting thing will happen. Three years after the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew's still around. And Matthew records something uh, that happened on the Tuesday, two days before Jesus was arrested. Matthew records something else that Jesus taught. And this time, Jesus is, is teaching to a number of the religious leaders. The religious experts in the law. And he teaches them a parable. Um, It's known by a few names, but it's often known as the parable of the tenants in uh, Matthew chapter 21. I'm just going to read it for you. I'm not even going to say a whole lot about it, because it speaks for itself. And I think you can see the story here. But I just want to read this to us. Matthew 21, verse 33, through like a bunch. He says, There was a landowner who planted a vineyard he put a fence around it dug a pit for its wine press he built a watchtower then he leased it to tenant farmers and went on a journey when the harvest time was near he sent his slaves or servants to the tenants to collect his portion of the crop but the tenants seized his slaves beat one killed another and stoned another again he sent other slaves more than the first and they treated them the same way finally he sent his son to them saying they will respect my son But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and we'll get the inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Now, when, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? So the Jewish leaders replied this in verse 41. He will utterly destroy those evil men. Then he will lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him a portion of the harvest. Verse 42, Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This is from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. For this reason, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. The one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and the one on whom it falls will be crushed. verse forty five When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard this parable, his parables, they realized that he was speaking about them, and so they have a choice: they can be convicted and respond in prayer and worship and repentance to God. Lord, change our hearts, cleanse us, make us peacemakers. Give us your blessing. Or they can do what they did. Verse 46. They wanted to arrest him. They'll get their chance in two days. But they were afraid of the crowds. Because the crowds regarded him as a prophet. Here's why I read that whole section. Throughout all of human history. God has raised up faithful people. To be about his work. And to proclaim his word. And many answered the call to direct their focus on God, and He bore fruit through their lives. Incalculable fruit. Yet the reality is that there has never been a person, um, a season, even, uh, even a culture, or a foe, to use the word we're using today, that didn't persecute these fully devoted followers of God. In Acts 7, I'm not going to go there and read it for you, but another must read. The very first Christian martyr, a guy named Stephen, is killed. And, and as, as they're about to kill him, he's, he's giving his last kind of charge to, again, a lot of these same religious leaders. In fact, they were probably all there from just a, a really few days earlier, a few months earlier. He says this in Acts 7. He says, which of the prophets, uh, referring to like the Old Testament prophets, did your ancestors not persecute? They killed those who foretold long ago the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, Jesus, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. Hey, you know how they responded? (laughs) Give you a quick guess. They stoned him to death, like right after he said that. And something interesting actually bleeds over into Acts 8, verse 1, even though it's really probably better tied to to Acts 7. Same thing, there were no chapters and numbers when the Bible was written. But it says that they laid the, the clothes, the robe of Stephen who they'd killed, at the feet of a young Pharisee named Saul, who gave approval to the death of Stephen. Saul, as you may know, you may not know, Not long after this, we'll meet Jesus face to face. Jesus asks him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he calls him to live a life of suffering to advance God's kingdom and the gospel. And Saul, he does it. He experienced God and he changed his focus. And God bore so much fruit through him that today we're reading of him. And he changes his name back to his um, his Greek name of Paul. And we know him as the Apostle Paul today. Pretty incredible. And so, if you're here, and you think you've missed out on God's blessing, maybe something you did, something you didn't do, some place you're at right now, listen, you probably weren't where Paul, Saul, was at. Okay, it's never too late. If you think you've missed God, God's blessing, think again. Look to Him. Set your focus on Him. And so, friends, if, if you truly seek to honor and to follow, and to serve, and devote yourself to God and His kingdom, you will be persecuted. This is a hard calling. It's not for everyone. What we do is we trade a temporary, fallen world for an eternally glorious paradise in God's presence. In Christ, we can truly rejoice And be glad, because our reward is great in heaven. Be blessed. Beatitudo. Hey, let me pray over us, and then we'll respond with another song of worship. Let's pray. Father God, you are so good. Lord, you have come to bless all people. That is why you came to this earth. That's why you paid the full price for our sin on the cross. And so, Lord, I pray, anybody listening to my voice, Wherever they've been, wherever they are right now, Lord, they are not too far away from you. They are not out of your grasp. They are not out of your sight, nor are you out of their sight. I pray that every person, watch this, listen to this, we would draw our, our vision up to you. And Lord, that we would surrender to live a lives seeking hungering and thirsting for your kingdom and your righteousness and lord from that and through that you would do a work in each of our lives that as you would proportion it as you would plan it and and design it that we would bear fruit for your kingdom and no foe no enemy would prevent the work that you desire to do in this world we love you we draw our vision to you and we worship you may we respond in jesus name Amen.